appreciate you listening tonight. We invite you to listen every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Of course, you're able to call in and ask a Bible question, make a Bible comment, even try to, in a friendly and a kind way, dispute with what we say here because I could be wrong. The Bible is what's right. That's God's Word. It's, uh, if Pat Donahue is wrong about God's Word, you'll be my best friend if you correct me. Because only the truth will set us free from sin. John 8.32 Only will we be a disciple, a true disciple, if we continue in His Word. So if I'm not continuing in His Word, I'm not a true disciple. And if you're not continuing in His Word, you're not a true disciple. That's why we have this program, to help us understand what His Word teaches. To help us understand what the truth is, so that we can be a true disciple. So that we can be set free from sin by the truth. 2 plus 2 cannot equal 4 and 5 at the same time. Both of those answers can't be right. It's the same in religion. Only the truth will set us free from sin. Let's find the truth by studying God's Word and believing exactly what it says, even if it contradicts what we may have believed and practiced in the past. Many times in the Bible and everyday life, there's a big difference in the who and the when. Who causes something to occur and when that something occurs are not necessarily the same thing. For example, we read in Joshua 6, 1 through 20, that God instructed the Israelites to walk around the walls of Jericho 13 times in seven days. And then God would knock those walls down. Don't confuse the who with the when. The who is God. He is the one that knocked those walls down. But the when was not until after the Israelites walked. Hebrews 11.30 makes this clear when it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. It is clear then the Israelites didn't knock those walls down themselves. They would have had to use battering rams and sledgehammers to do that. No, God knocked those walls down. But when? The verse says God knocked the walls down after the Israelites walked as God instructed. If you have a Bible question, I want you to give me a call. The number to call is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 is the number to call. The lines are wide open. We see the same thing in 2 Kings 5, 1-15. The story of Naaman having to dip seven times in the Jordan River to be cleansed of his leprosy. Who cleansed Naaman of his leprosy? God, of course. Did Naaman heal himself just by dipping in that little dirty river seven times? No, but he did have to dip, didn't he? The who that healed Naaman was God, but the when was when Naaman dipped seven times. We see the same thing in the story in Numbers chapter 21, 4 through 9. Israelites were told that if they would look at the brazen serpent on the pole, they would be healed of their snake bite. See the difference in the who and the when? The Israelites didn't heal themselves by looking. No, God is the one that healed them. But not until they did what God said to do to be healed. It is the same with our salvation. God is the one that saves us. God is the one that forgives us because of the death of Christ. That is, the who and the how. But the question is when? Does God forgive us when we believe or does he forgive us when we are baptized? When Jesus appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus, Acts 9, 3-6 through 6 makes it clear that Saul believed in Jesus. So was he forgiven of his sins at that point when he believed? 
Absolutely not. Ananias was sent to tell him what to do, and Ananias told Saul in Acts 22.16 to be baptized and wash away thy sins. So obviously Saul's sins were not washed away when he believed on the road to Damascus. Instead, he was told at least three days later to be baptized to get his sins washed away. Now, the baptism is not the thing that washed away Saul's sins. It is God that did that based upon the blood of Christ. God is the who. The death of Christ is the how. But the question is, when? When were Saul's sins washed away? When he believed or when he was baptized? The text makes it clear. Saul's sins were washed away by the blood of Christ when he was baptized and not before. It's the same for all of us. There's a difference in the who and the when in our salvation. The who is God, the how is the death of Christ, and the when is after we believe and repent and are baptized for the remission of sins. Acts chapter 2, 38. Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's clear. A person has to, a believer, as who's being talked about here, has to repent be baptized for the remission of sins. He doesn't get the remission of sins when he believes. It's not until he repents and is baptized, according to that verse. What washes away of sins? The blood of Christ, of course. Revelation 1-7. When are his sins washed away? When he's baptized, according to Acts 2-38. And not before. If you have a Bible question or comment, we'd be glad to hear from you. The number to call is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment on this topic, the who and the when of salvation, or any other Bible topic. We see that same thing in Mark 16, 16. The first part of that verse says, Jesus says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So it takes both. If you want to be saved from your sins, you have to believe and be baptized. Who saves you? God. When? When you believe and are baptized. Not when you believe. No, you've got to believe and be baptized. And when you believe and you're baptized, you are saved by the death of Christ. 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21 reads this way. Which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure, wherein to even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now that passage is basically making a parallel between the eight souls being saved during the days of the flood through water, comparing it to our water baptism. And what do they have in common? One is said to be a type of the other. They have both. They have two things in common. Both involve water, and both involve a salvation. With Noah and his soul, and the eight, and his eight in his family of eight, they were saved physically through the water. They didn't die. They didn't drown. With baptism, it involves water, and it's a spiritual salvation, not a physical cleansing. It says not the putting away the filth of the flesh. You might think that if you weren't familiar with baptism and just saw a person being baptized, you might think, oh, they're washing the dirt off their skin. No, it's not a physical cleansing. It's a spiritual cleansing by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That verse says that baptism saves us. Now, God would not have said, baptism doth also now save us if you didn't have to be baptized to be saved. He just wouldn't. God is not trying to confuse us. He doesn't tell us that you have to be baptized to be saved when you don't. 
If all you had to do was believe to be saved, he would say that. All you have to do to be saved is believe. Instead, he says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Baptism doth also now save you. Ananias told Saul, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. God's not the author of confusion. He's not going to tell us a lie that you've got to be baptized to be saved if you don't. It's the denominational preachers that are lying to you, telling you, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. That all you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And they mean by that, all you have to do is believe. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. These preachers are saying all you have to do is to be saved is believe. All you have to do to get your sins washed away is believe. That doesn't match up with what we read in Acts 9 and Acts 22. When Jesus appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus miraculously, Saul believed in Christ at that point. At least three days later, though, he was told to do something to get his sins washed away. So were his sins washed away at the point of faith when he believed? Like most preachers will tell you, it couldn't be. That can't be the case because three days after he believed in Jesus, he's told to do something to get his sins washed away. And what is he told to do to get his sins washed away? Now remember, this is just not some peg-legged farmer, we might say, stating his own opinion. God has sent Ananias, according to Acts 9, God has sent Ananias to tell Saul what to do. And So God, Ananias is speaking for God, and Ananias tells Saul, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So Saul... Saul later became known as Paul, wrote practically half the books in the New Testament. So he's a prominent Christian. He is told at this point to be baptized to get his sins washed away. So if somebody's told you that your sins are washed away before you're baptized, then you're not going to be saved the same way that Paul was. Paul the apostle was saved. His sins were washed away when he was baptized. Now, is there some kind of magical power in the water? No, we talked about Naaman being cleansed of his leprosy when he dipped in the Jordan River seven times. No magical medicine or power in the water to cleanse of leprosy. That's not it. God cleansed Naaman of his leprosy when? When Naaman dipped in the Jordan River seven times. God cleansed Saul of his sins when? When he was baptized, according to Acts 22.16. Now, that is plain, simple, and clear. There can be no mistake. If a person is honest, they can read Acts 22.16 and see for 100% sure that a person's sins are not washed away by the blood of Christ when he believes, but instead it's when a person is baptized after he believes. Now, read Acts 22.16 for yourself. And Ananias told Saul, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And he was told that at least three days after he believed. That's simple, plain, and clear. Do not believe the false teacher that tells you otherwise. Sam from New Jersey, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Sure. Um, I uh, have a question about um, the, the Holy Spirit. I spent a lot of time... Um, trying to connect with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I just wasn't feeling it. I talked to my pastors, my uh, preachers down south. I, uh, I spent years 
Then I had a revelation one day. I said, well, what is it? What if... What is it? What if the Holy Spirit isn't something that you just only receive? What if the Holy Spirit is something that you project out to the world? What, what if that's the meaning of the Holy Spirit? Maybe the uh, uh, it, it some somehow intertwines with the receiving of and the transmission outward of godliness. You know. What are your thoughts about that? Okay. Sam, that's a good question. We read Acts 2.38 while ago. I'm going to read it to you again. Here's some believers wanting to know what to do to be forgiven for their probably the greatest sin in the history of the world. They had actually crucified the Son of God. They want to know what to do to make that right. They, they believe what Peter's preached to them. What can we do to be forgiven? Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit is something that a person receives, but not until they're baptized. People make the mistake, oh, we got the Holy Spirit, we didn't have to be baptized to get it. No, Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The only way to get the Holy Spirit is to be baptized in water. Now, this Correct. Holy Spirit, Sam, you're not necessarily going to feel. He didn't say you will feel it. It's like the remission of sins. You also get the remission of sins. You're not necessarily going to receive the feel the remission of sins. Now, you can be happy that God has promised you the remission of sins if you'll repent and be baptized, but you're not going to feel it because that's something that happens in the mind of God. Okay? He forgives you of your sins. You receive the Holy Spirit. The miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 8 through 13. And by the way, if you'd like me to send you, uh, and I'm talking to the whole audience now, Sam, and I'll get back to you. If you'd like, anybody in the audience would like me to send them some documentation proving that the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, something that you could feel, we might say, those things have ceased. I'll be glad to send that to you. Call me or text me after the program. I'll give you that cell phone number in a minute. Or email me at BibleCrossFire at email.com, and I'll send you that via email. But we don't necessarily okay. feel the Holy Spirit, Sam. It is something that we receive when we get baptized. Go ahead, Sam. Um, I always wondered uh, what it was exactly, because, you know, I've been baptized. And, uh, you know, I'm... Every day of my life, I'm fighting hard not to sin, and it's not easy. But I think I'm doing a fairly good job. I'm, I'm trying. Um, yeah. Sam, the Holy I, Spirit you know, is not going to... God doesn't... When you were you, First of all, let me ask you. Were you baptized for the remission of sins, like Acts 2.38 directs, requires? Yes. Well, okay. I was baptized in a Baptist church. I mean... Uh, well, but the Baptist uh, church... I, doesn't teach baptism for the remission of sins. They teach you get the remission oh, yeah. of sins before you're baptized. They don't baptize for the remission of sins. I ought to know I used to be a member of the Baptist church. They don't baptize for the remission of sins. But, Sam, be that as it may, the Holy Spirit is not given to you to, to keep you from sinning. God's not going to take away your freedom of choice. He asked you to walk in newness of life. That's up to you. The Holy Spirit's not going to keep you from sinning. As a matter of fact, First okay. Corinthians 6 teaches that a Christian who commits fornication, the Holy Spirit's going to have to leave him. The Holy Spirit doesn't keep him from committing fornication. A Christian still right. has that choice, but the Holy Spirit is not going to continue to dwell in a person who 
starts living in sin. That's in 1 Corinthians 6, right at the end of the chapter, Sam. Okay. So um, don't think the Holy well, Spirit's going to do that for you. He's not going to keep you from sinning. That's up to you. Okay, you have to love... Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So you have to develop a love for Jesus and want to keep his commandments. I'm sorry, Sam. Did I interrupt you? Um, no, no. Um, I, I follow his commandments very closely, actually. Uh, um, I'm not perfect. Nobody is. Um, except him. Except Jesus. He was the only one that walked perfectly. I surely don't, but I'm... I like to think that I'm pretty darn good. Um, now, you were mentioning something about being baptized for an omission uh, an of my sins. That there yeah, is a Acts certain way to do that. Acts two thirty eight. Peter said, "Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins." And the Baptist Church, they don't do that. They say you get the remission of sins when you believe. That's what I was talking about a while ago when I said a lot of preachers say you're saved at the point of faith. But Saul of Tarsus, later became known as Paul, disproves that theory. He believed on the road to Damascus. At least three days later, he was told to be baptized to wash away his sins. So the Baptists say that he was saved on the road to Damascus. That's when he received the remission of sins. That's when a person receives the remission of sins is what they say. But that's not true. You've got to get baptized for the remission of sins. So just because you were immersed, Sam, doesn't mean you were immersed for the remission of sins. I suspect most people who have been baptized, even as believers, weren't baptized for the remission of sins because they've been taught wrong. So, Let me so illustrate you, my. Oh, go ahead, Sam. How do you? Uh, uh, how do you? How can you tell? I mean, I, I was asked all about repenting my sins and and uh, you know understanding, accepting Christ as my Savior. And um, how do you know whether you were baptized Sam, correctly? That's a pretty big okay. deal. <laughs> it's all about what you believed when you got baptized. Did you believe at that time you had to be baptized to get saved? Let me illustrate why we'd have to be baptized for the remission of sins. I like to do it from Matthew 19.9. Let me read that, Sam. It says, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. That's the first part of Matthew 19.9. That teaches that a man must divorce his wife for fornication because she has cheated on him sexually. Or if he, if he does it, if he does it for any other reason, and he remarries, that second marriage is adulterous. You see what I'm talking about, Sam? Yes. Uh, oh, so, yeah, I totally understand. I, uh, I follow, so, okay, so uh, the reason for closely. the divorce, so the reason for the divorce has to be for fornication. If it's not for fornication, then the divorce is unscriptural, and God does not approve of it. Now, make the parallel to baptism. If a person gets baptized, but they've been taught that they're saved when they accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior before that, so that when they get baptized, they're not actually getting baptized for the remission of sins. They think they've already got the remission of sins. Then they're not doing it for the reason Acts 2.38 requires. So just like Matthew 19.9, if you get divorced for the wrong reason, it's an unscriptural divorce and God does not approve of it. Acts 2.38, if you get baptized not for the remission of sins. For example, if you think you already had the remission of sins and you got baptized, that's for the wrong reason. Therefore, the baptism is unscriptural and God does not approve of it. Does that, does that parallel make sense, Sam? Oh, yeah. I, I've, I've learned all about this. I, I actually belong to a very good Bible study in Georgia, and I spent quite a few years studying um, all aspects of the Bible. 
And like I said, uh, I understand about divorce and fornication. Right now I'm single and I am celibate and I'm happy. And Paul wrote it. He said, if you can't uh, be single, then to take a wife. I can't take a wife for obvious reasons nowadays. Because you're divorced? Um, no, no, because uh, it's kind of hard to find a woman who agrees to get married without premarital sex. I mean, see, I'm pretty, I'm pretty tight with God. I'd rather hey, be Sam, single for the rest of my life. <laughs> Sam, I really appreciate your call. I want to try to get with you after the program and talk some more. But right now, I'm going to try to see if anybody else wants to call, okay? Okay, no problem. Thanks for that great call, Sam. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Bye. If you have a Bible question or comment, we still have about five minutes to go on this program. The number to call is 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. Perhaps we need to devote a whole program on this soon. But let's go back to Matthew 19.9. People may misunderstand this passage, but I don't understand how they can misunderstand it. Jesus said, whosoever shall put away, the newer translations say divorce, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. So let me put it with names. I've been married to my wife, Carol, for 31 years. If Carol were to cheat on me sexually, then this verse would allow me to divorce her for that reason, and remarry without committing adultery. But if I divorce her for any other reason, like incompatibility, which is the most common cause of divorce in Alabama, if I divorce her for any other reason other than sexual unfaithfulness and remarry, let's say I remarry a lady named Betty, Jesus calls that marriage to Betty adulterous. Now, if you want to make it right, you've sinned, If you want to make that right, what would you have to do if you're in an adulterous marriage? Well, if you're in a gay marriage and you repented, what would you have to do? You'd have to get out of the marriage, right? You can't just say, I'm sorry, but I'm going to keep on having gay sex with my male partner. Same way with adultery. You can't just say, I'm sorry, but I'm going to keep on having sex, adulterous sex with this new marriage partner, Betty. Repentance demands that you quit that sin. You're sorry you did. You're going to terminate that marriage. You're going to get out of the marriage. And you're going to seek reconciliation with your original spouse. And that's what most churches have compromised on in the last decade or two or three. Scott from Kansas City, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, Yes, sir. Uh, In regards to your uh, stating that you cannot receive the Holy Spirit without baptism, I have two two questions that I just would like clarified on then. Uh, The prisoner on the cross... Jesus said today you'll be with me in paradise and then of course the age old the the uh, John 316 which everyone usually knows um, whoever believes in me should not perish but have everlasting life it did not say whoever uh, is immersed in water it says whoever believes in me will have everlasting life so what what is your answer to those two points let me deal with that. I'm going to drop you right now, and um, I'm going to deal with those two questions, and I have to go off the air, okay? But I, I'm, thank you for those good questions. Thank you. So the first question, what about the thief on the cross? Let's read 
Hebrews 9, 16 and 17. It says, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. And so, this is saying that Jesus' will, the New Testament law, did not go into effect until after he died. We know from Luke 24, 47, it wasn't until the first day of Pentecost. So the thief on the cross didn't have to be baptized because he didn't live under New Testament times, which requires baptism. John 3, 16 doesn't say anything about baptism. It doesn't say you don't have to be baptized to be saved. It doesn't mention repentance. Does that mean you don't have to repent to be saved? All John 3, 16 is saying is that you've got to believe to be saved. Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. When you take both of those passages, how can both of them be true? You've got to believe, and you've got to be baptized to be saved. If you would like that free one-hour phone Bible study that I offer on this program, text me or call me at 